Welcome to the In Doubt Podcast, where we explore the challenging topics that young adults often face. Each week, we talk with guests who help answer questions of faith, life, and culture, connecting them to our daily experiences and God's Word. For more info on In Doubt, visit indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. Hey, this is Dan Markin with In Doubt, and on today's episode, I'm chatting with Garrett Kell, and we're talking a little bit about his book, Pure in Heart, Sexual Sin and the Promises of God. And what we're looking to discuss is, you know, what is sexual sin and what does it look like to walk in the promises of God? Meaning like, as you think about being pure in heart, what does that mean? And how can we um, walk well, walking in the light and, and pursuing the Lord with a pure heart and seeing the Lord, right? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And we spent some time talking about that today. Hey, welcome to In Doubt. This is Daniel Markin. And today I'm joined by Garrett Kell. Uh, Garrett, before I introduce you, why don't you introduce yourself and, and give us a little bit about who you are and maybe some of your ministry and uh, kind of the, the path that your ministry has taken to where you are now. Yeah, man. Uh, great to, to be here, Daniel. Thanks for having me on. Uh, like you said, my name is Garrett. Um, I've been a follower of Jesus for about 23 years, got saved uh, through a witness of a friend. I came to a Halloween party that I threw. He made a stand for the gospel, and the Lord just used that uh, to kind of change the entire trajectory of my life. Uh, eternally grateful for that. I've got one wife. Her name's Carrie. Uh, we've married for 15 years. We have six kids, most of them on purpose. Uh, it's wild at our crib for sure. Um, I've been a, been a pastor for about 20 years, and I've been at this church, Delray Baptist Church, uh, since 2012, uh, serving as one of the the pastors here. I'm I'm in Alexandria, Virginia, right now, looking out my window, can see the the Capitol over there in Washington D.C. So cool. Uh, and I, you know, as I was researching you a little bit, and uh, I learned that you studied a little bit under Mark Dever. Were you one of his interns? Yeah, yeah. So I, man, I. Yeah, I got I I got saved out of a kind of a nominal kind of background. You know, I was very much not a Christian, but then kind of went Methabapticostal, kind of you know mixed non-denominational <laughs> was kind of my world. I was at Dallas Theological Seminary, pastored a Bible church for a little bit, and I, I was very eclectic. And then I just always had a desire to learn more about the the local church, and yeah, struck up a friendship with Mark. Came and did the internship. That's where I say I got Baptist brainwashed. <laughs> uh, but for the brother really helped me to think well about what God's word says about the local church. And it's, yeah, I'm, I'm thankful for Mark. It's been a blessing. So good, man. I have a kind of a funny story about, so he has a little podcast that he was, he's been doing over the years and stuff. And I think with maybe some of the interns and maybe you, you've been on this podcast before with him, but I, yeah, it's called pastor's talk. I think. I think so. So I was listening to an episode, like it was an old one. I was going way back, like as far as I could on iTunes, listening to it. And Funny enough, well, kind of funny. Um, I was in a car accident while listening to to Mark Dever's uh, podcast. Danger, yeah, uh, to Danger Dever. <laughs> I'll tell him. Yeah, you should pa- tell him pass that. it on to him. But it's hilarious because after the accident stopped, it's like a five car accident, um, and I was the third car. I all I hear over the radio is Mark Dever just talking about friendship, friendship, you know. <laughs> like, so. <laughs> Oh man, you have some PTSD next time you hear his voice. So I'll, I'll have to, yeah, I have to tell Mark about that. Yeah, not relevant to this podcast. But what we're talking about today is I want to chat a little bit about uh, your book, Pure in Heart, which is you're, you're talking about sexual sin and the promises of God. And this is a pretty loaded topic, mm-hmm. and a lot of people have different definitions of what sexual sin is. 
And I want to get you know into this with you, and we'll, we'll go around and, and 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 spend time here. Maybe that we you know discuss and it takes us somewhere else. But where I want to begin is why did you write this book? I mean, you've been serving as a pastor. You've been in ministry for a long time. Why this book? Uh, I think twofold. One, my own soul, and second, the souls of others. So I am I am a shepherd, but I'm first always a sheep. And uh, my life before coming to know Jesus was marked with sexual sin. It's kind of what I lived for. Um, I wouldn't have thought of it as sin at the time, but it was what sexual pleasure is what I was, I was about. Uh, it was kind of everything was oriented around that. And then when I became a Christian, you know, when you become a Christian, not everything changes. A lot of things changes. Obviously, you're a new person, new heart, new affections, but you still got that old man who doesn't doesn't die easy and struggles with sexual sin, particularly the sin of pornography, just haunted me as a, as a young Christian and even you know in years after that, even while I was serving as a, as a pastor, and I include some of that in the in the book itself. Um, and I needed something to I needed something more than just I got to do better or. I've got guilt or shame. I needed something stronger than that to help me to to fight sin for myself and as a pastor to be able to help other people um, to, to to grow. So, yeah, God and his, his kindness helped me to fall in love with one of Jesus's promises, Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. And that helped to kind of reorient the entire conversation for me about what purity was. Uh, and about what God was calling us to, and that by God's grace, it's not, you know, and there's still a battle, but I'm not where I was, not who I was, and the Lord's given grace, and I want to help other brothers and sisters to do the same. Yeah, and I think you're nailing it there too, because it's other brothers and sisters, because oftentimes, you know, and you mentioned pornography, but the sexual sin is very broad, as I understand it, like, and it could be lots of things. Lots of men struggle with pornography. Lots of women also statistically do as well. No doubt. And then if you if you you know, expand out of there, even if people aren't watching pornography, but maybe they're dating and uh, they're pushing the boundaries on, you know, getting a little too physical. Um, you know, there's there's questions there about, is that sexual sin? And I, I remember my wife and I, we, we made boundaries in our relationship and we had to like ask ourselves, be like, hey, uh, you know, are we are we pushing these boundaries? Are we like within them? Like, and so that, that was an active discussion for us. But maybe let me ask you this, when you just talk about being pure in heart, what is pure in heart and what isn't being pure in heart, right? If, you, if someone said to ask me, hey, what does it mean to be pure in heart, right? Garrett, what does it mean to be pure in heart? If you're, if, what would it be and what isn't it from a, you know, a gospel perspective? Yeah, that's, I think that's, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, if it's okay, let me just tell you a quick story about how I used to fight sexual sin, and that might help to kind of clarify a little bit. Yeah. So right after I became, you know, I started following Jesus, and I got in with this group of fellas, uh, I don't know, we call ourselves the Holy Huddle or the Bible Guys or something like that, and we would meet up on Saturday mornings, and we we had this we had this circle where we'd sit around in a circle, and in the middle of the room, we had a uh, a chair or a little table, and on it, there was this big jar of money. And we called it the pervert pot. And basically every Saturday you'd, you'd come in and you would get up and you'd say, Hey, this is how I did this week. And you know, if you, if you masturbated or you looked at porn or you, you know, messed around with your, your girlfriend or whatever it was, or you did something sinful you shouldn't have done. Um, you had to do the walk of shame up and put the money in the pot and then kind of walk back and everybody be praying for you. And then the next guy goes and, um, you kind of go around the circle and you'd have some guys who would make that walk. And then you have other guys who would be able to stand up and say, Hey, listen, it's been three weeks. I've been walking, you know, holy and haven't given in. And what that cultivated in me and others in that group was well-intended, but what it cultivated was this being tossed between shame and self-righteousness, shame when you're not doing well, 
self-righteousness when things are going great. And that constant battle is not what God calls us to. Rather, he calls us to something something far greater. So sexual purity is a it's an orientation of the heart that 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 flees from sexual sin and flees toward pleasure in God himself. And that's kind of broad, but I, I think it's we need to begin the conversation about about purity in heart. It's not just lines in the sand of do's and don'ts. There certainly are commands that we need to follow, but it begins in the heart that God desires what we uh, desires us to desire him and pleasing him and trusting him in the way that we use our bodies and the way that we interact with our passions and desires, that it be oriented around what's pleasing to him because we know that his ways are good and his commandments are actually guardrails for our joy. Mm. So what are God's desires for our bodies? What are God's desires for the way we use them? Um, and, and, and maybe in in pleasure, but also with him being the greatest pleasure. Like, what does that look like? What What is the Lord, um, how, how did he design us? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the the sexual drive is not for everybody in the same way, but it is across the board. It is something that that humans have. We have this these desires for intimacy. Uh, we have desires for the the enjoyment of sexual p- pleasure, and we have to understand that it's actually a really good gift from God. So a lot of times, Christian circles will just be like, "Sex is bad. Don't do it until you get married, and then do whatever you want." And like, I just think that's a strange way to frame it. Like we. God has created us as sexual beings with good desires that are, are right, that we need to steward, though, recognizing that he's given it as a gift for a husband and wife to share within the context of um, of marriage, where um, they serve one another uh, rather than just use one another. So sexual sin, then, is anything outside the bonds of that, anything outside of uh, one man, one wife in a, a, a relationship where they are agreed upon serving one another in particular ways that are sexual, anything outside of that, which would include sex with yourself, which is masturbation, watching other people have sex, which is pornography, um, having some sort of sexual engagement with someone who's not your spouse, whether it be somebody that you're dating or engaged to, or if you are married, sex with somebody outside of that. So anything outside the design of what God has given for this really good gift to be used in a really particular way um, that's what sexual sin is because it, it, it displeases the Lord because it's outside of his design for what is actually good for us and glorifying to him. Yeah, that's so good. And, you know, you, we, as you talk about design and the way you just framed it there, I, I think about how that is such a helpful way of thinking about it in even discussing stuff with homosexuality or even perhaps like all the different gender things going on. Um, I think by just going back and saying, well, hey, this is what God's design is. I find I found in discussions with people and discussions that might seem really hostile, I find people are like, like hey, 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 I actually just, this is what I believe God designed us for. It, it, it tends to diffuse a lot of tension because what we're trying to do is say, hey, we believe God created it this way and we're trying to live that out as best we can. Yeah, I think that's good. And I think another thing that helps Christians in this conversation is to recognize that everybody is sexually broken. Mm-hmm. Everybody. There, there's nobody on this planet who does not struggle with what it means to rightly use our bodies in this way, to to how to steward these passions and desires. Everybody is in some way, shape, or form confused and wrestles with doing this rightly. Nobody, yeah, nobody's not affected by the fall in this area. 
And I think that can help us to have compassion with people who who are struggling in this area. So the Christian should not approach this conversation as some kind of self-righteous, judgmental person who has it all together, but rather we are fellow sufferers on this planet. And some people may be tempted in ways that are different than us, mm-hmm. but but that that doesn't mean that you know we in some way are, are better than them in any way, shape, or form. All of sin and fall short of the glory of God, and everybody, regardless of who you are, needs God's grace to help understand who we are, how our bodies are supposed to work, and what to do with these passions we have. Absolutely. And even people who they go through seasons of being really like in a great place with sexual purity. And then there's seasons where like that fades away. Right. And, and so for someone to be so self-righteous and be like, I'm, you know, I, I got this all figured out, you know, yeah. circumstances change and you, maybe you let you slip on some disciplines and, or intimacy with the Lord. Right. And pretty soon you're not as righteous as you thought you were. Yeah, this is not like some graduate thing where you're like, oh, okay, I'm I'm out of third grade now. I'm in fourth grade. I'm out of fourth grade now. I'm in fifth grade. I'm out. Of, it's not. It's not how the Christian life works. Yeah. It is. It's very much more ebb and flow, static. It's a relationship. I often think of it as like embers in a in a in a fire that if you have out in the wilderness and it's a cold plate, like you got to keep this thing fanned with prayer, with time with the Lord, with fasting, with good Christian community, with faithful, you know, observance of the ordinances and like all the things that God has prescribed for us, obedience to His Word. That's how we fan this thing alive. And if you don't tend to your relationship with God, it, it does weaken and your flesh strengthens. And um, that's I think it's a real battle. So I think the way you talked about it right there is really important is that there's different seasons, circumstances, our bodies change, our circumstances change, the pressures and stresses of life change, relationships change things. You meet somebody who you start losing your mind. They're like, wow, they're amazing. I'm willing to do anything when I never thought I would do this before. And like, yeah, I just think that's why you need an ever ongoing relationship and abiding with Jesus to help you in yeah. whatever season or circumstance you're in. Amen. How would you then counsel someone? Let's say I mean, you mentioned the ordinances there, which is which I love, right? So imagine someone who's been a part of the local church, is a member, is taking communion, um, doing their best, being at Sunday mornings, extracurricular Bible studies, things like that. They're baptized, right? And yet they still find themselves in a place of of falling into sexual sin and feeling defeated by that. How would you, where would you direct someone like that? Because on, on the surface, they're, they're doing all the things that seem right, right? Like they, if you were to ask them, well, what have you done? Well, I've done all of these things. I, and like, yet I still am falling. Right. And I imagine there's people listening and that's, that's their story. It's not for lack of trying. In fact, they've, they've put themselves in community where would you direct them? Well, you know, it's kind of every 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 person's a little different, right? But I, I think first of all, I want to encourage them. Hey, listen, if if you are following some of the typical means of grace, that's good. Don't stop doing that. Let's continue to cultivate that. Yeah. But let's let's see how is Satan getting at you. And this is where you might want to start with. Okay, you're in community, but are you in are you an honest community? So I used to be in community with people, meaning I was around Christians. But people didn't know me. I was wearing a mask. I wasn't really being honest and transparent in my confessions, right? So let's talk about, are you really being honest in your confessions? And not just your confessions, but your temptations. Like, I found it very helpful to reach out to people when when I'm feeling tempted. Like, do you have somebody you can reach out to even then? Even though temptation is not sin, it gets light on it, and, and light is sin's kryptonite, right? It makes it lose its power. So what does your community look like, right? Or um, what what else are you cultivating? So let's say you're doing all those things, and but at the same time, let's say you are 
um, you know, watching Netflix every night and you're constantly on social media and you're always just listening to music and you're just, you're, you're, you're abiding in the world in a lot of ways with, with things that aren't necessarily sinful, but you're retreating to the world for refreshment constantly. That's cultivating something in your flesh, which actually weakens your ability to resist in maybe a particular area of weakness, like, like with sexual temptation. So I'd want to see what other patterns of life are going on right now for you, right? Um, there may also be some real um, issues from your past, whether it be unresolved sexual sin that you've never really confessed and repented of, or maybe there's been some sort of um, you know, abuse that has happened to you, that, that you've got scars, that you're kind of, you, you never had the, the wells of God's grace bring in and bring some healing um, and some some help in some ways that are really, you know, I think, necessary. So I, I think everybody's going to be a little bit different, and that's really where you got to have people who know you around you to help really di diagnose what's what's going on with you in particular. Mm -hmm. I, I think what you got, you were getting at there, which is something like it, it reminded me of uh, First John, where John's instructing, you know, the church, and he's saying, talking about walking in the light, right? What, what does it mean to walk in the light? And so, so often, I think, like I for a long time interpreted that as walking in the light means like perfection. No, yeah. Like I'm, I'm getting this right. I'm, I'm now in like the light. I'm like, <laughs> I'm not walking in darkness. I'm walking in light. I'm doing all these things right. And it, the, the, the true light switched on for me when I realized that it's actually not perfection. It's honesty, right? Yeah. Honest about yourself and, and the honest for the need of God's grace and the Holy Spirit's power to, to move through us and to help us. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we the Christian life should be more understood about it's 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 about direction, not perfection. So we want to strive for holiness in all things, but the direction is leaning into Jesus, which always is going to be leading with weakness. Lord, I confess I need your help here. I'm weak. I, I desire this that I shouldn't, or whatever it may be. And I I think you're I think you're right. It's not it's not the goal is not to, to just be perfect. Yes, obey in the grace that God supplies, but the way you get that grace, Second Corinthians twelve, nine is through through embracing and 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 being bold about I'm weak I need help and that's both before God and before others and 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 that leading with that weakness is really important as you were writing this book pure in heart what discovery surprised you the most maybe as you were researching or as you were just digging more into this topic what what was the delightful discovery of this writing process yeah two things i think in particular the the one is um I think it's the fourth chapter where I talk about kind of the positive view of sex that we talked about a little bit ago. A lot of people, they have found that to be a really useful corrective because a lot of the things that, you know, we hear in our church is just don't sin in this way because it's bad. So I was really refreshed by just getting a positive view of what God thinks sex is. And then um, along with that, the centrality of Jesus and the centrality of, of his return, how much power there is in that. First John chapter three, three, where it speaks about those who hope in being like him at his return, purify themselves as he is pure. There's something about longing to be with him and being like him and being free from struggles and temptations and the worldly passion. There's something liberating about getting your eyes up on him. And desiring him above, there's 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 power in an eternal perspective that I think I knew, but I didn't 
I didn't realize until I was writing this and kept finding myself drawn back to that. I love Pilgrim's Progress. It's one of my favorite books. I keep a bookmark in it. I read it all the time. And Christian, in that allegory, he always has his eyes on the celestial city, and that keeps him sober-minded the whole way home. And I think there's some real power in, in that um, that that is oftentimes untapped. So that was a great joy for me in writing it, yeah. Yeah, so good. What was the most... You know, like as you think about this, um, this topic, you know, the book, but also your ministry, what breaks your heart the most um, as you talk to people in sexual sin? Yeah. Two things. One is to see how sin ravishes people and how just crafty Satan is to get in on people who really love the Lord and then begin to make small compromises and to see how if it goes unchecked how how destructive um it, it sin can be and then also just how that that couples into hopelessness and despair which is part of my own story i remember a time when i i, I went home from a bible study sat down at the computer and just felt like i'm going to look at porn and i did i looked at porn for like hours on end and then I finally just shut the computer and i remember sitting there thinking i guess i'm always going to be like this and that defeated picture, just it, it haunts me because I see it so often and so many people. And I think the good news of the gospel is, is the Lord says, no, that's what, that's what Christ died for. And that's what Christ is raised for. And that's what he intercedes for right now to set you free from, from sin and its power. Like he really can liberate you, uh, not again to perfection, but, but to himself and knowing him and he can, he can really help you. Um, and that's, that's my hope. And that's part of the reason I wrote the book was there's a lot of good resources out there. I want to say that, but I didn't feel like I had one book I could hand to any man or woman, somebody struggling with same sex attraction or not somebody who was either struggling themselves or wanted to help somebody who was struggling. I didn't feel like I just had a resource that I could just hand to them. And that's, that's kind of what I, what, why I wrote it. And actually in the back, all the discussion questions were written by members of our church. There were about 80 uh, brothers and sisters who read it before we sent it off to the publisher. And they helped write all the discussion questions to help facilitate convos um, for other people who might want to read it with somebody else. And that's been one of the joys watching people in, in this particular topic is, is people coming together and locking arms and saying, listen, God's grace is sufficient for whatever we need for this next step. So let's not focus on being perfect forever. Let's, let, in, in the sense of our own obedience between now and when we see Jesus, but let's let's focus on the next step. Let's focus on the next three hours. Let's focus on the next three days, the next three weeks, and like and having that day by day, step by step. Watching people do that together is one of my great joys. And any way I can help facilitate that, um, because I need it myself. You know, I mean, I'm not some expert on this. I wrote a book, but I'm a dude who needs Jesus just like anybody else. And yeah, so I love watching people chase him. That's so good. I mean, yeah, we all need Jesus. We all need help in this area. And it's almost even more important for people who are in a really good place because of what you're saying about it. Like, you know, if you make those little compromises, because it's like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm shooting 98%, right? Like, I'm doing really well. And I sure I can compromise in a few areas, but like it can slip fast, right? And And that is something where, having community. And I like that your book is, is oriented around that with discussion questions, having that community. And I can just imagine you have a group of guys or a group of girls who like are working through this book together and uh, being able to be that accountability for one another, because I just, the Christian life is not meant to be walked through alone at all. And that's why we, we say the local church is so important. And, you know, even in there though, like within a local church, 
there's going to be little friend groups that come up or maybe like support groups, kind of like, you know, whether it's sexual sin or people who are just like angry, right? People who have just severe anger, like um, you need community uh, to be able to walk through this. And I, and I really appreciate that your book focuses on the promises of God in that way. Um, briefly, give us two promises of God that, that you find in this book and ones that maybe have really ministered to you and, and also have ministered to others in hard times? Um, well, I think the, the, the one that's based on Matthew 5, 8, um, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. I think what it reminds us is that purity is a means to an end, not an end in itself, right? So, so blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. The promise is that you get to see God and the way there, the pathway there, the means there is by saying no to temptation. So I'm going to say no to looking at that thing on the internet because I want to see God. I'm going to say no to this compromise with, you know, boyfriend or girlfriend because I want to see, I want to see Jesus. I want to say no to whatever it is because I want to say yes to him. So that promise is so liberating. It's 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 the way, the the, the way to see God and know him is by clinging by faith to I'm going to resist this so I can see him, right? That's There's so much power there. And then there's the promise of help along the way, right? So, you know, you just think about this, uh, 1 John 2, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ the righteous. So like I wrote this book so that people won't sin. But if you do sin, we know where to run. We run to the righteous one who is righteous in our place, who loves to loves to intercede for us, whoever lives to intercede for us. So, so every step of the way, both in hope of he's going to be worth it to resist this sin, and he's going to be faithful when I don't resist. Like both of that, that's gospel. I need all of that. And that is, yeah, those are the sorts of promises that I think you got to mind God's word for, find what's precious to you and cling to him until we see his face. That's amazing. So again, that was Matthew chapter five. And what was the second one there you had? Uh, first John, first John two, one and two. So good. And there's a billion more. There's a billion yeah. more of those in the Bible. <laughs> there that's is. why we read it, man. And, and just if I can say, yeah. like, that's why, that's why you read the Bible. You don't read the Bible so you don't feel guilty that you didn't check off your box for today, right? Like we're beggars looking for bread. Like we need life. We need his word. We need to hear from him, right? So I think the more we can realize that's what all of these means of grace that we've talked about with Lord's Supper and going to church and singing songs and like reading the Bible. The reason we do all of that is because we want to see him. And yeah, just don't let religion be just an end in itself. That's a pathetic way to use your time, but rather let's let's seek him yeah, he's got to be the gold man. I love that. You know, I'm going to take what I'm going to take away from this program is we are beggars begging for the bread of life, who is Christ, and that's a that's a good perspective to have, and it it humbles us, and also puts Jesus where he ought to be, which is at the center, the thing, and the the one that we are chasing. So, Garrett, man, thank you for jumping on here with us and being with us today, and really appreciate it. And appreciate your ministry. Yeah, brother, appreciate you, and. Uh, I just want to encourage anybody who's listening, who's heard anything today, like flee to Jesus, reach out to a friend. Now is the time. This is not luck or chance you've heard this. Flee to him. So God bless y'all. Can't wait to see you in glory. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to hear more, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or visit us online at indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. 
We're also on social media, so make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. In Doubt is a ministry that exists to engage young people with biblical truth and provide answers for many of today's questions of life, faith, and culture. Through audio programs, articles, and blogs, In Doubt reaches out to encourage, strengthen, and disciple young adults. To check out all the resources of In Doubt, visit indoubt.ca in Canada or indoubt.com in the U.S. Or if you're in a position or share a passion for the ministry of young people, you can support the ongoing mission of engaging a new generation with the truth of the Bible. First, you can pray for this ministry. And second, and if you are able, please consider a financial gift by visiting indoubt.ca in Canada or indoubt.com in the U.S. Your gift of any amount is such a blessing and an answer to prayer. Thanks. Thanks.